Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. With only the NFC North teams remaining, Larity welcomes Evan Western from SB Nation's Acme Packing Company to talk all about our beloved's biggest rival, the Green Bay Packers. Can Rodgers and company win the North again, or will the North rise above? All of this and more on part one of the NFC North preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Every single year, our beloved Chicago Bears take on 13 different teams as part of their annual schedule, and we've gotten through the first 10 with the NFC West, the AFC West, and our same place opponents. We now move on to the devil that you do know in the NFC North with the Packers, the Lions, and the Vikings. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for part one of the NFC North preview, talking to Evan Western, Evan Tex Western, from the Acme Packing Company or Acme Packing Company, acmepackingco.com on SBNation.com. Uh, He's the editor-in-chief of the uh, of the blog site for the uh, Green Bay Packers on SB Nation. So, uh very well versed uh, in in all things uh, Green Bay Packers, and um, I would like to uh, confess that uh, I enjoyed my conversation with Evan. Uh, he is unlike any other Packer fan I have encountered up to this point. Uh, you guys that have been listening to the show uh, for for the for the many years that I've been doing it know that um, you know I I work with a bunch of Packer fan douchebags that uh, either either like to rub it in my face. Or make all kinds of excuses, rub it in my face when they win, or make excuses about why they lost instead of saying, you know what, you guys were the better team that night, and you know, more power to you. We'll get you next time. No, it's uh, you know, you know, I remember posting on Facebook after we beat them last year when we took Rogers out of the game. I posted on Facebook that uh, all the excuses my Packer fan coworkers are throwing around are making for an unsafe work environment. So, you know, that's what that that's what that Tuesday morning was like since it was a Monday night game uh, between the two teams that uh, it was nothing but excuses instead of, you know, the defense went out there. You know, we we got uh, we took out your your best player and took advantage of you from there. And, you know, we were the better team last night. Nah, it was uh, if this hadn't happened or if you didn't do this or, you know, if it was, uh, you know, bad luck and blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. Whatever. So but uh, when they beat us week 17 to, to win the division and go to the playoffs ended the bear season. You know, I got nothing but fingers pointed in my face and, you know, laughs and ha 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 and all the rest of that stuff. So Evan Western is not one of those people. And uh, 
just wanted to to get the you know let you guys know that um you hear me mention at the end of the episode that uh i did not vomit in my mouth having to talk to a packer fan or or anything like that uh, evan's a good guy a lot of these sb nation people fantastic people and you know i want to thank them all again uh for for you know for setting aside the time to talk to me and uh you know coming and spending time with us on our little podcast here talking out our uh beloved chicago bears and uh you know, getting us all ready with the information that we need on who it is that we're facing uh, coming up in this uh, 2015 uh, season uh, of ours. So we've, we've pushed the NFC West, the AFC West, our same place opponents. We're all done with those. Now it's on to the teams that we see every year, twice a year, no matter what. And, uh, you know, we start we kick things off with the team that we're kicking the season off with the Green Bay Packers. And who better to have on the show than their editor in chief over at the SB Nation acmepackingco.com as an acmepackingcompany.com uh, for the uh, for SB Nation. So, you know, he really knows this stuff. He's been a fan his whole life, just like we've all been fans of the Bears and so on. And and I really think that's why I enjoy talking to these people so much, despite their allegiances to other other teams. Is that um, you know maybe you you guys have heard me say it before. I've been doing a lot of shows lately, but um, you know they've got it bad for their team like we've got it bad for ours so on that level you know you can kind of look at them as equals and you know not kind of thumb your nose at the fact that you know well you root for that team so there's something you're mentally ill because you're a fan of that team instead of being a fan of mine so uh you know it's a a level of respect that uh you know we have for each other because there's like that understanding that we share a passion for this particular team you share it for yours you know we're on the same length you know we're on the same page as far as that goes you know you live or die with your team i live or die with mine so that's um probably how it is i'm getting along with these people who are not bear fans uh so well so um anyway uh without further ado we're gonna move things on uh, over to uh myself and evan western and our conversation that we had uh on uh it was monday night that i recorded this one and um you know i'll be posting that and obviously i'm it's posted now should be uh, Wednesday or Thursday that most of you are being able to hear it. Um, I want to apologize for anyone that's that's listening to the show through iTunes. Um, I don't know what the story is with iTunes. I've sent some emails to them. Um, I know I used to be. I know there's always a delay from when I post the show uh, on Podbean.com, which is the host site for the show, and you know a delay before it finally shows up on iTunes. To my recollection, that delay has only been maybe a few hours, like three, maybe four hours or whatever. But like, say, when I was doing the shows during the season, if I record the show at eight o'clock at night, I'm usually done between nine, nine thirty and it's posted. Uh, When I got up to go to work the next morning, I could always see it on iTunes. I'm having trouble now to where all of a sudden, like um, like the the last episode, the AFC West with with Lori Latimer Volkman, I posted that show just before i went to bed on uh sunday night so it would be up and ready by monday morning when i when i posted on twitter and facebook and everything that it was up and ready to go um it took 24 hours for that show to finally surface online so anyone who got the show through uh podbean was able to hear it literally for an entire day before it was available on itunes so i've I've sent an email to see if um you know what the what the problem is and hopefully they get back to me and and we get that bug fixed so that uh you know you guys are 
you guys that are listening through iTunes and you know subscribing through iTunes are getting the shows on time uh, when you're supposed to, as opposed to getting them a day or a day and a half later than everybody else uh, uh, is getting them. So anyway, uh, we do have uh, Christopher Gates from the Daily Norseman. Uh, for the Minnesota Vikings on SB Nation, he's going to be up next. And then we finish up the NFC North with uh, Jeremy Reisner from um, prideofdetroit.com on SB Nation for the Lions to finish up those three teams. And then I'm still debating on what it is I'm going to do for the Bears as our last preview episode before we get into the preseason and uh, training camp and all that fun stuff. So still debating on whether or not I'm going to fly solo for that one, whether I'm going to have either fellow Bear fans and friends come in. Maybe I talk to uh, Ron uh, Rugg from the Football is America. He's a Bears fan. That's how he discovered me, you know, listening to our show. Maybe I have him on. Maybe I try to get one of the guys, the SB Nation Chicago guy out there. You know, who knows? I still haven't figured that part out yet. Probably got a couple of weeks before I have to make a solid decision on it. But you guys will be the first to know when I figure it out. So, all right. I'm going to go ahead and shut up now and get over to the interview between myself and Evan Western talking about the Green Bay Packers going into 2015. All right, and we are joined by Evan Tex Western from the Acme Packing Company on SBNation.com. Uh, uh, Evan, or is it Evan, or is it Tex? Which you do prefer? I answer to either one. It's uh, Tex is a nickname that goes back a ways, so I, I'm I'm perfectly happy to answer either one. And and again, thanks for thanks for having me on. Oh, it was my pleasure. So, okay, I I you were we were talking just briefly before we started recording here. You're from Wisconsin. You're in Ohio, so where does Tex come in? <laughs> it's uh, it's all just based on my last name. Um, ah. Growing up, uh, growing up with the last name of Western in uh, in Wisconsin, a couple of my buddies in high school thought it'd be funny to start calling me Tex, and it kind of stuck around in high school and then through college, and it stuck with me to this day. So it's uh, yeah, it's just one of those goofy little high school things that ca- that you carry around with you. Right? Yeah, I. My nickname really isn't a nickname. It's it's my name basically. I, I I was in high school, and my head coach in football overheard me complaining to a couple of my friends that I didn't have a nickname. Like all my friends had a nickname. My buddy Jason, his name was J Rock. Uh, you know, my buddy Gus, he we called him Goose, and Chester, we called him Cheater for some reason, and all that kind of. Everybody had a nickname, but me. And so of course, Coach Rio, my head coach, he heard me talking about this, and he's like, "Well, Dyer, tell you what, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna think about it." And I'm going to come back tomorrow, and you're going to have a name. And this was the worst news I could ever hear in my life because <laughs> this is the head coach. As soon as this, I mean, it could have been Prissy Pants, and my name would have been Prissy Pants for the rest of the time because Coach Real, God Almighty himself, said that my nickname was, uh, you know, whatever. And he came back the next day, and in front of the whole team, he introduced me simply as Larry D. And... I it was like the the sigh the 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 sign of relief <laughs> on my face when all he did was knock the last three letters off my last name and that was the name and that stuck for me thank God ever since so that is where my quote unquote nickname comes from so now that we got that all all that fun and history out of the way 
let's dig into into you a little bit. Um, how long have you been with the Acme Packing Company? Um, I've been writing with the Acme Packing Company since 2009. Um, okay. I've been managing the blog since uh, early on in 2013. So, oh, so um, you're your editor in chief? That's correct. Aha. Okay. Yep. All right. And is this like for like most people that I've talked to? This is kind of like a is is this a side gig for you, or because you're the editor, is this your job? No, this is definitely a, a side job. I'm okay. Uh, um, I'm I'm in I'm an engineer by trade, and um, this is you know something something I love to do. I've always always loved talking football, and this is a way to you know to to express what what thoughts I have, and it's a great way for me being an out of state fan too to to really feel like I'm I'm still able to connect with my team. Right, absolutely. So Packer fan for life, obviously. Of course. Okay, how old are you? Do you mind me asking? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Okay, so that makes. Have you had your birthday yet? You have so that makes you eighty nine, eighty seven, eighty seven. What the hell? Where am I? Okay, yeah. <laughs> so it's been a while since I've been in school. Eighty seven. Okay, so you probably wouldn't have much of a recollection of the lean years for Green Bay. Not too much. Yeah, by the time I was really in my formative years, Favre had already t- taken over. I I remember a little bit of Mikowski um, there in the beginning, but um, but yeah, I've. I've basically had two quarterbacks for most of my entire life. And believe me, I, I assure you, I, I recognize how special and how lucky I am. Well, the reason, the reason that I ask um, is because I'm 37. So my, my formative years were like, you know, right, my starting, starting to have my earliest memories were when Ditko was, was coaching mm-hmm. and when the dominance in the, the rivalry of ours had begun on the Chicago side, like it was a rare, almost an you know th- thing that never happened when Ditka was coach was that Green Bay almost never beat the beat the Bears, and I was just wondering, you know, if you knew or anything, if Bear fans were an insufferable bunch at that time, you know, any that you had uh, any kind of uh, you know connection or interaction mm-hmm. with. Um, because as much respect as I have for the team and the organization, I cannot stand Green Bay Packer fans. <laughs> okay? And, and I'm just wondering if it's us Bear fans getting our comeuppance for really giving it to you guys in the 80s and early 90s when we were dominating the division, dominating the series. You know, and we were, were we just that bad that you guys are really just enjoying us getting ours for all this time? Or because, honestly... In my time as a Bear fan, which is since birth and up until now, uh, living in the area that I live in, was the Quad Cities uh, area, about three hours west of Chicago. It's a very melting pot kind of area as far as fandom is concerned. We got yep. Packer fans, Vikings, uh, Chicago, St. Louis, uh, even some Kansas City. Uh, even the, the Steelers and the Raiders got some following out here as well. The Packer fans that I come in contact with are the sorest losers. <laughs> And the most insufferable winners all at the same time. And I was just wondering if it was just us getting it back as far as you know. Yeah, you know, I, I again, having not really experienced the, the 80s and those, you know, that time period, I can't say for sure. But um, I, would, I would venture a guess that, um, at least from my experience, that, that you're, you're in, you know, kind of a rare area because <laughs> my, 
you know, my experience with Packers fans is generally that, um, well, win or lose, we'll we'll go out and have a beer with you after the game. But maybe right. that's just the people I tend to associate myself with. Like I couldn't say I could. I would I would I would enjoy being around Packer fans like this, like people <laughs> who who enjoy the rivalry. You know, who enjoy you know, hey, you guys got us this time. You know, but we'll get you next time or or whatever. You know, that kind of thing because you know. God bless Lovey Smith. He's gone, and, and it's probably for the best that he's not with us. Um, and granted, you guys beat us more than, than we beat you, but the series was at least competitive when Lovey was head coach. <laughs> and the last couple of years with, uh, with Tressman, it was obviously an embarrassment, especially last year uh, in particular. So um, anyway, let's talk about last year and just specifically the two games that we played against each other last year. That first one, at least for the first half, was a knockdown, knockdown drag out. But, you know, mm-hmm. neither one of the defenses really came to play in the first half. The Bears scored pretty much every time they touched the ball except for that last play at the end of the first half. Aaron Rodgers, of course, after telling everyone in the world to relax, came out and, you know, had an outstanding first half uh, against the Bears. And then in the second half, the wheels came off for us and you guys took control and pretty much haven't looked back since then. So then if we fast forward, sadly, to the Sunday night game, um, which was what, week 9, week 10, somewhere in that area. Week 10 sounds right, yeah. Yeah, 42 to nothing in the, uh, in the first half. I mean, was that even fun for you guys at a certain point? Cause... Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you there. We, uh, we had a, uh, a countdown on, on Acme Packing Company this past couple of weeks of the top 10 plays of the Packers 2014 season. And um, one of the one of the plays that ended up on our countdown, I think it ended up coming in at number nine, was that one-handed catch by Randall Cobb right at the end of the first half that made it, I think, 42 to nothing. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things we tried to, to talk about was, you know, for a lot of these big plays, it was the, the high leverage situations that really made the difference at the top of the countdown. And then we had to throw that one in there basically as, you know, there's not a whole lot that's more fun than beating up the Bears and beating yeah. them up big time and beating them in prime time. And then that that catch was just kind of the exclamation point on on that. So, yeah, it's it, it was a lot of fun. I, I can't lie to you on that one. <laughs> well, let me tell you what my favorite part of that game was. Um, there was one play in particular. I'm pretty sure it was in the second quarter. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was rolling out to his right side. He was under pressure, and he appeared to just heave the ball down the sidelines. And I was sitting here watching the game with a buddy of mine, and I told him, I was like, you watch. Whoever he's throwing that ball to is wide open. Watch. <laughs> and sure enough, when, when the camera finally pans over, who's standing there with, ten, with a 10-yard radius between him and his next defender but uh, Jordy Nelson? Mm-hmm. And just standing there patiently waiting for the ball to get to him because all he had to do, because there were no defenders challenging him, was concentrate and catch the ball. That's all he had to do. And sure enough, he catches the ball, and that made it I, like 35 to nothing or, or whatever it was. It's like, yep, that's, that's how this night's going to go, just <laughs> like that. Just Aaron Rodgers can heave it behind his back 40 yards in a tight spiral and hit, hit uh, Jordy Nelson in the breadbasket with the ball, and he'll walk in untouched because he's 10 yards in front of the next person uh, behind him. So that's what that game was like for me. <laughs> So, yeah, we, we've we've sat through our share of those, but um, like sure. you said, it's been it's been few and far between, at least against Chicago in the last two decades or so. Yes, yeah. Thanks for <laughs> two decades. So, sorry for twisting the knife there. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> let me get my let me get my wind back here. 
Um, say I'm never going to be invited back now. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll <laughs> see if there's a nicer guy on the on the on the company there. <laughs> so, so as you guys move your way through 2014, 12 and four last year, winners of the NFC North uh, ended up being a tight race because Detroit actually decided to play up to its potential uh, last year. You guys make it to that divisional round. Controversial call um, with the Dallas Des Bryant catch. Were you nervous about that at all? Well, I mean, yeah, you're certainly nervous anytime a you know a big play like that comes down to a review. Um, it looked to me, and and again, this is acknowledging that I'm coming from the the viewpoint of a Packers fan that um, they applied the rule correctly. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not gonna debate with the people who think it's a dumb rule because I think you're, you're probably onto something there. I mean, <laughs> just, just w- watching the play that, that Bryant made and, and to bring that ball in at all. And then yeah. to kind of have it, um, you know, taken away from him like that a, a little bit at the end is, is a little bit of a shame, but, um, you know, even, even so he would have been down probably on the one yard line. Um, you got a chance to make a goal line stand. And even if, if Dallas does take the lead, you give Rodgers the ball back with a little more than two minutes to play down less than a field goal. So, right. and and the way Dallas's defense had been playing, you know, I, I'm still perfectly confident that Rodgers would have driven down for for a winning score. So, I right. think, um, you know, I, there's there's people who want to make it seem like that call uh, decided the result of the game. I completely disagree with that. I think, um, yeah, I think Rodgers, one way or the other, gets a gets a chance to either put the game away like he did. Or you know he gets a chance to to go down and, and take the lead right back right towards the end of the game. So then you move on to the NFC Championship game and basically you you dominate for about fifty five minutes of that game and like the Seahawks didn't the Seahawks didn't look like the Seahawks throughout that entire. I mean Russell Wilson, who was you know basically uh, you know kind of like the Aaron Rodgers, doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, always makes great decisions with the football. You know, I don't. I think he completed four passes to you guys before he completed one to his one of his own guys. And if it weren't for special teams, basically, you guys mm-hmm. walk away with that game. There was a fake punt for a touchdown or a fake field goal that yep. went for a touchdown, and obviously the the uh, onside kick at the uh, end of the game, to which the, didn't both the tight end and the coordinator lose their jobs. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, that was. That was coming, and and for the tight end for uh, for Brandon Bostic, it it was a shame that 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 play had to kind of define his his Packers career. Yeah, um, I think you know as much as anything else, if he had been making some plays on offense and really cracking the, the the lineup a little bit on offense, I think he'd still be around. But you know he really hadn't developed the way the team had hoped, um, you know, offensively, and then certainly, you know, anytime you get a you know a big play like that in a big spot where um, you've got a guy who just just flat out misses his assignment and doesn't do the one thing that the coach tells him to do on the sideline, which is, you know, get, keep your head down and let Jordy catch the ball. Um, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's what's going to happen. And then, you know, for Sean Slocum, the special teams coordinator, I mean, he, he had a miserable season. We had six or seven kicks blocked this, this past year, I think a um, couple of punts, a couple of extra points, a couple of field goals. I mean, it was all over. And and really, I think you saw this offseason, there's a complete change in the personnel um, that's going to be playing on special teams as well. Um, you know, Bostic's not the only guy who's gone. There's there's a couple of key guys, Jarrett Bush, who, who'd been the special teams ace for the last several years. He's gone. I think you're going to see a, a major youth movement, and, and you even saw it in the draft a little bit. 
Um, but but guys who can contribute on special teams uh, right away. Um, you got a guy like Jaron Elliott who made a name for himself in the preseason last year. Uh, I think he made. I think he had three sacks in the St. Louis game in a span of about four plays. That really, you know, brought him to to Packers fans' attention. But he came out this week and he said that he wants to be the special teams Pro Bowler in the NFC this year. And I think that's the kind of attitude you want to see. You got guys who are pumped up about playing on special teams. Um, there's just a different attitude in that room, it seems like, and and hopefully that'll that'll bode well going forward in 2015. Right. Always, always good to see that that guys understand that special teams is important mm-hmm. and that, you know, excelling at special teams will open the door to to other things. Uh, and in most cases, I mean, one in case in particular for, you know, from the Bears side of things is Corey Graham, who was nothing but a special teams guy, kept being a special teams ace, went to a Pro Bowl. The next thing you know, he's our nickelback. And the next thing you know, he's get a free agent deal to go to Baltimore uh, makes the interception that wins him the AFC championship game and they go to the Super Bowl and he's got a ring to show for, you know, that's where it can take you. Some, I mean, obviously that's a dream scenario, but mm-hmm. that's, that's one that uh, is obviously there if you, you know, apply. You know, getting on the field, it's better than, than nothing, obviously. So, for sure. Yeah, and that's, that's something that Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson have preached for years is that special teams is really the gateway onto the field for a lot of these young players draft picks, undrafted guys, whatever. Um, they, they really value the contributions they, they have on, on those special teams units. And, um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's really the, the best way for some of these guys to, to make it onto the roster. So talk to me a little bit about Mike McCarthy, because I haven't really had a chance to talk to any Packer fans about him, because years ago, when this is like year number 10 or 11 for him? This will be 10, I believe. 10. Yeah, okay. hired in 2006 sounds right. Yep. Okay. So yep. when when they hired McCarthy, I laughed out loud <laughs> because you know, Mike McCarthy, okay, he was supposed to be an offensive coordinator. Yeah, he was he was on one of Holmgren's staffs, right? Um, yeah, I believe so. I think he okay. was kind of a position coach or something and then San Francisco. Yep. Yeah, he he was an offensive coordinator in a couple of places. Like, I think he was in San Francisco when you guys hired him, but he was offensive coordinator for an offense that was horrible. Mm-hmm. And bringing him to to Green Bay to you know to to revitalize the the, uh, the you know the team and everything, I thought was the biggest joke that I'd ever heard in my life. So what was it that I wasn't seeing in San Francisco that Green Bay saw? Well, I think one of the things that, that McCarthy does so well is he manages men and he manages personalities really well, and he does his best work um, Monday through Saturday. Um, he, he, he almost always puts together a good game plan. Um, you know, from, from that perspective, you know, he puts his offense in, in opportunities where they've got chances to put points on the board. And I think the, the biggest knock on McCarthy, and I think there's, there's validity to it, is he gets too cute play calling sometimes. He's called the plays every stop he's ever been. Um, you know, he's called them every year in, in Green Bay since he got there. And that's the big change this year, this offseason, is he's given up the play calling duties. Um, Tom Clements will be calling the plays now. And um, he's spending more time uh, with the defense and the special teams. And I think that's really going to be good for the, the team as a whole. Um, you, you've heard a lot of guys 
coming out this this off season and and practices and things saying that having McCarthy and having an offensive mind in the room with the defense is a really big help and that they're learning how to anticipate things rather than just reading and reacting. And right. so while that might, you know, it, it might lead to guys taking taking some more chances and might potentially lead to bigger plays on defense, um, that's going to be big plays both ways. You're going to see, I think, um, a renewed focus on turnovers. I think you're going to see the, the Packers' defensive backs have, have a lot of interceptions this year. And I think all in all, the, the move, I think, is going to be a good one because you've got a great relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Clements. Those two have worked together for a long time now. Um, you certainly got a guy in Rodgers who can handle uh, making a lot of calls at the line, and you know, he can handle the complexity of the offense. And so, yeah, I think um, I think he acknowledged one of the areas where um, he probably was was weakest, and he took uh, significant steps to to change that and and do something about it. And and I think it's going to be good for the team as a whole. Right now, you you touched upon what I was going to ask you next, which was is Mike McCarthy, uh, you know, a great motivator, you know, kind of coach? Because the one thing that I've noticed as in in, in more so when we're head to head, but especially in in other times where I'm just seeing them, the Packers. I mean, play other teams, um, where the Packers just seem to be playing on a gear that the Bears don't have right now. And I think that's why you guys have been killing us lately. Is that you know? I and I think it all starts with the coaching that they're tapping into something that makes these guys go the extra mile to. You know, kind of when he, when somebody's got him by the ankle, he still keeps digging until he can stretch out and get that last extra yard or something mm-hmm. like that. That'll get the first down and wondering how much Mike McCarthy has on that or has he just surrounded himself with a good enough staff that does that for him? No, I think it definitely comes down to, to McCarthy for sure. And, and the continuity of the staff as a whole. Um, I guess you, you did kind of allude to that, but but I mean that certainly starts with him at the top. I mean he makes all the decisions about every coach that he hires. Um, he's had a lot of the same position coaches for the last you know seven eight plus years, um, and and at this point he's you know he and Tom Capers have worked well together, and and hopefully this you know this offseason now that he's a little more involved in the defense that'll that relationship will continue, and and yeah it's it's he connects with his guys. Um, you know I've I've had a chance to. Um, sit in on some some press conferences of his, and and he clearly cares about his players. Um, you know, he he wants them to be you know good men on and off the field, and I think there's there's a a level of respect there that um, that McCarthy holds with with his guys that that definitely you know bleeds onto the field and and has an impact. Right, because I was you know completely jealous watching you guys do what you do, and then of course the my favorite stat of the entire off season was before we went into the draft and free agency, the whole 56 out of 57 guys on the team have only played uh, for the Green Bay Packers. That one guy, of course, being Julius Peppers, uh, who used to be one of ours. But, um, you know, I think that with our guy, our new guy, Ryan Pace, that's kind of the idea that he's trying to to go with now. But, um, you know, you guys, as far as, have kind of set the standard as far as that goes with the whole you know, you're building up your own program. You you almost never dip into free agency. Peppers was the exception to the rule last year mm-hmm. for that. But for the most part, Ted Thompson. I mean, does can the guy see into the future? Is that how he's doing <laughs> this? Or you know, like the like the football gods just won't show him the postseason. They're just showing him. Well, if you if you draft 
you know, Randall Cobb in the third or fourth round, he'll turn out to be an all-pro and uh, all that kind of stuff. Well, I think one of the things Thompson realizes is the draft is a crapshoot, and and anybody who tells you otherwise, I think, is is kind of you know, trying to convince you or themselves that that it's not right. And and Thompson does he's he's always tended to to move back to collect a couple extra picks and give himself uh, more opportunities in those middle rounds and and the. Th- the third, fourth, fifth round is really where he makes his hay. Because you look at the starting offensive line for Green Bay right now, it's three, thir- or three fourth rounders, one fifth rounder, and one first rounder. Right. Um, you, you, and 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 this is the best offensive line that Green Bay's had in over a decade. So you just you just don't see things like that all the time. And and I think it's just a a matter of Ted getting more of those picks in those rounds. And and you know the guy you get a handful of guys who who certainly don't don't pan out, but um, yeah you just take you take more shots and you're more likely to hit and I think that's um, that's one of one of his strategies, so um, that's part of it. But I, I do think that that he's got a really good eye for talent and I think he and McCarthy work so well together in terms of Thompson identifying talent that McCarthy can work with and that he can he can develop. Um, I'm not sure if it's specific physical tools or an attitude or what it is that that he looks for in some of these players, but yeah, it does always seem like um, he's got guys who are who are coachable, who buy into the Packers program. Um, you don't you don't really hear of of any character issues or, or anything like that, um, and and you know the the just the continuity of of both sides of those of the front office and, and the coaching staff understanding their roles, um, not really interfering in the other side of the, the, the house and, and just um, working well together. So, I mean, the other thing that I've noticed is that they, they tend to take chances on guys, and I think that probably ha- plays into the whole, well, I've got three fifth-round picks or I've got mm-hmm. three fourth-round picks, so I can, I can take a shot on this guy. Because wasn't Randall Cobb a quarterback in college or something like that? He was kind of a he was a he was a little bit of a Swiss Army knife. He played okay. some quarterback. He played quite a bit of receiver. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you, you you had most Packer fans sitting here at the end of the second round, picking what sixty second or sixty fourth or something overall, and we take this you know this this receiver that that nobody's ever heard about, who's about five ten and. It's like, well, what the hell is he doing here? And then, yeah, he, he goes out and he's a special team stud his first year or two, and and now he cashed in with with a forty million dollar contract. Right, that that will keep him with Green Bay, and he'll when he's done with this contract, he'll still only be what twenty eight, twenty nine, I think. Yeah, so that's, he can cash in again. That was a great deal for him, and I, I really thought that that was the best situation for Cobb because um, he can really maximize um, his his earnings this way. You know, you get uh, the potential for some endorsements and things in Green Bay, and certainly if he keeps playing the way he has these last couple of years um, through this contract, you know, he'll still be in line for for a nice big payday four years from now. You said endorsements in Green Bay. Yeah, believe it or not, actually, Cobb's the best example of this. Um, there was a game where uh, doing a Lambo leap, he got uh, ketchup spilled on him after somebody dropped some cheese curds or, or a hot dog on him or something. <laughs> Within the week, he had uh, an endorsement deal from Clorox. Clorox. Yeah. Nice. So between that and then, you know, you always see Clay Matthews doing Campbell's Soup commercials and things and, right. and Rogers with his, his State Farm ads and, and stuff. So there's there's certainly plenty of opportunities. It's not necessarily the local stuff, but, you know, the Packers certainly have a big enough nationwide following that, um, 
you know, there's there's some potential for for nationwide products and endorsements and things right. there. Speaking of that, um, I was going to save this for later, but since you mentioned it, I was looking at the schedule this year. Now, Green Bay being in the Midwest uh, tends to enjoy the um, you know the noon kickoff times and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but Green Bay only plays at noon six times this year. Um, you got yeah, five. It's, it's five a little na- crazy. Yeah, five national TV appearances. You got back-to-back Thursday night games because you got that Thanksgiving game against the Bears, and then follow that up with, I believe, Dallas the week after that. Uh, Detroit. The, Detroit. The that's week. it. Yep. Yeah, you're right. And then the other thing is the other uh, five games were um, those uh, those three those three o'clock, four o'clock Eastern starts that most of the time are treated like national TV games because they're called like Fox America's game mm-hmm. of the week, which means like 80% of the country is watching this game regardless of where you are uh, kind of thing. It's like this, the other game that's playing is basically in the specific markets of those teams, everyone yep. else is watching Green Bay versus San Francisco uh, kind of thing. So the country is going to have a hard time escaping the Packers for the most part this year. Yeah, that's for sure. But um, I think one of the big reasons for that is is obviously the Packers always draw draw well and they draw a couple of primetime games. Yep. So you're you're always golden to see them on on NBC probably twice on a Sunday night. Um, you're usually good for at least one one Monday night game. Um, but this year, I think the reason they've got so many of those late afternoon games is we play both the NFC West and the AFC West. Right. Yeah. So you know we're going to have four games or three or four games out in either the the, the Mountain or, or Pacific time. So so that's I think where a couple of those you would normally see those shifted into the noon kickoffs instead. Right. And a couple of those late season games, you got December thirteenth versus Dallas, and I think Week sixteen versus Arizona, depending yep. on where those games are in the standings, those could be flexed to Sunday night uh, as well, especially that one against the Cowboys because the Cowboys have their schedules on Sunday night football. So they, uh, they always tend to find their way on those, uh, on those national TV broadcasts. As a fan, is that – because I personally, I mean, as much as I hate it when the Bears don't play well, I enjoy the following year's schedule because they play at noon pretty much every single week except for their – their uh, annual Thursday night game, and then maybe one or two trips to Monday night football. But otherwise, like, you know, 13 out of the 16 games are at noon on Sunday. I always tend to yep. appreciate it better that way. Yeah, the, the primetime games are tough, and, and I'm on the Eastern time zone, so I'm an extra hour later, too. So, right. you know, we're kicking off at 8.30 at night, and, and I'm not, you know, if I'm, I'm staying up, I'm watching the game, and, you know, the game doesn't get done until midnight, and then I'm, I'm writing up recaps or, or, you know, doing whatever it is. And, you know, I'm not getting to bed until 1 o'clock, and i got to be up in five hours to get to work the following morning. So, yeah, that, that, gets, that gets old for sure. Um, <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about that, but um, I guess given the alternative, I, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> of course you would. Well, and plus that means that I actually get to to watch in, at home in the comfort of my own home, and and uh, you know with a nationwide broadcast rather than having a um, having to necessarily go to the bar. But um, I do have a pretty pretty great Packers bar here here in town that uh, that I'll go to on a fairly regular basis. Is that how you watch the games most of the time? If uh, if it's not a national TV affair, you you go out for that? Yep. Yeah, I um, I I don't have the Sunday ticket package, so. Mm. Usually, what'll end up happening is that we'll have um, we've got several writers who are in the the home market, and um, they'll cover recap duties for those games. And um, and yeah, I'll, I'll head out to the bar, and those are my those are my weeks to to relax and enjoy the game a little bit more, <laughs> rather than the those primetime games when I'm I'm all 
you know, full on in, in blog mode. Right. So, I mean, you are number five, number six of the SB Nation writers that I've talked to. And I believe that, that Mike Harar from, from the Redskins and I believe Jess Root as well for the Cardinals mm-hmm. are the only ones that are actually in the market that they're covering. And I talked to Lori Lattimore Volkman from Mile High Report for the Broncos. She's in South Carolina. Yeah. I talked to Sander Phillips for the Bucks Nation. He's in the Netherlands. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm talking to Jeremy Reisner for the Bron- for the for the Lions. He's in Los Angeles. And Chris Gates for the Daily Norseman for the Vikings is in Germany. He's in he's in the military. He's overseas. So um, we get around. Know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. USB Nation guys are almost never in the market that you're actually. Uh, hosting for uh so that's uh, and I'm, I'm i lucked out i'm not in chicago i'm three hours west uh, right on the mississippi river but this is a bears market yep so the bears are available out here i don't have to go traveling out to the sports bars or try to stream it on my computer uh or anything like that but uh i, I thought that somebody like you know like you guys would be the exception to the rule instead you guys are the rule and <laughs> the guys in the market are the exception so that's uh that's what I found interesting in talking to uh, to you guys so far. Now, with the with the offseason, speaking of Randall Cobb, you also re-signed uh, Brian Bulaga, and that pretty much sums up your offseason for the most part. You re-signed those two guys, then you guys made some draft picks and signed some undrafted free agents, and that was about it. So. Yep, you, pretty much par for the course. Yeah, you, you had a couple of guys leave uh, via free agency, um, to um you know to go off to other teams but aside for as far as additions are concerned you you kept the guys that you wanted to keep and then you drafted some more guys to replace the ones that left and you're pretty much and hitting the field in 2015 with just about everybody that you did in 2014 minus some rookies yeah the offense um i mean when you when you lead the league in points it kind of makes sense to to try to bring the same same core group of guys back and yeah and that's keeping, uh Keeping ain't broke, exactly. Yeah, and keeping keeping Cobb and Balaga back that was that was real big because um, coming down the wire, it, it was looking like one or both of those guys were gonna end up um, end up leaving for uh, for more money elsewhere or or what have you. But um, you know, we're certainly happy to have them back. Um, the two guys who who left that were the big names were um, Tremont Williams going to the Browns. Right. Who you know, I I, I love Tremont. He's been a great player in Green Bay. But I cannot believe the Browns gave him as much money as they did. Um, I think he's a 32, 33-year-old guy um, coming off a, a, a decent season, but not a, not a spectacular season. I think he got 6 or $7 million a year. And it just kind of blew me away. And, and that, that's kind of where the cornerback market is at this point. And that shows you why Ted Thompson didn't really start getting into the, the bidding war on him. Mm-hmm. Um, Thompson has an idea in his head of this is where I'm willing to go. If you can get more than that and you want to leave, then you know do your thing and and we'll we'll find a way to replace you. He did that with Devon House. He did it with Tremont Williams, and um, apparently between Cobb and Balaga, the the numbers seem to match up, and and both of those guys were were happy to come back. So um, you'll see some you'll see a little bit of a different look in secondary with with House and Williams gone. Certainly, um, you got a couple of early draft picks in, in Demarius Randall and Quint, Quentin Rollins who will help out with that. But right. Your top um, two picks. Right. And and Casey Hayward, I think, is is making the jump from from mainly playing a slot corner to, to playing outside. 
And there's a lot of talk about whether or not he can do that. But um, as far as I'm concerned, he's he played a lot on the outside. His rookie year in 2012 played really well. Um, I don't see any reason to be concerned about it. And uh, Joe Witt, the cornerbacks coach, has said the same thing. So I think you're probably looking at um, yeah, Sam Shields locking down the one spot, the spot on the right side. He'll probably have K- Casey Hayward playing on the on the opposite side, and then um, you know, in in the mix for those those slot corner reps at, in the nickel and dime packages, you got Micah Hyde, and then you'll have Randall and Rollins both uh, both fighting for spots. Okay, so let's move on to linebacker, and of course, this was one of those positions that was talked about quite a bit last year because midseason. Uh, Clay Matthews goes from being primarily an outside rusher with the, uh, from the outside, outside linebacker spot. They move him to the inside, and Dom Capers thinking that this would help improve the run defense because basically you guys were a swinging gate when any decided, anyone decided to run the football yep. uh, until they made the change. Because I remember um, you know, watching Forte run all over you guys in that first game, week four. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the second game, you know, week nine or week 10, when we played you guys, it was a different story um, as far as, uh, you know, the huge gaping holes that he was able to run through the first time around. Yeah, that was really the turning point of the season for the defense. And um, unfortunately, the bear for unfortunately for you guys, the Bears got the, the, the brunt of uh, the, the experiment right out of the gate after the bye week when, when we first implemented that. But um, it, it certainly, like you said, the, the run defense was drastically better in the second half. Um, Matthews is just the kind of, he, he's got that kind of athleticism that, that really transcends position definitions. Um, you know, you can line him up at the mic, you can line him up on the outside on the left and the right. Um, I, I'm convinced that you could, you could probably rush him from the inside on the line and with his hand down and he'd probably still be successful. So he's, he's got the, he's got the instincts, he's got the ability, he's got everything you look for in, in a linebacker, regardless of, of how you label him. And I think that was kind of what Capers realized that AJ Hawk and, and Brad Jones just were not getting it done. Um, you know, Hawk, I, I love the guy. I've, I've met him a number of times. I've talked to him several times and, um, you know, he's, he's an awesome guy, but it, it was just clear that he had lost a step last year and whether that was injury, whether that was age, whatever it was, um, he just, you know, he, he just couldn't, couldn't cover the way he did and, and couldn't, you know, go sideline to sideline. So, um, you get that big uh, difference in speed when you put Matthews out there and then you kind of let him develop those instincts playing on the inside, um, understanding um, blitzing gaps uh, from from that inside that uh, he had never really done before, and you saw his you even saw his pass rushing numbers increase when you moved him inside because they'd still bounce him out on um, on the outside to rush in dime packages, and I, I expect that's kind of what we'll see again this year. Is right now I think Dom Capers and, and McCarthy want to put their four best linebackers out there, and so whether that's Peppers. Barrington, Matthews, and Nick Perry, or if one of the young guys steps up an inside linebacker and you can move Matthews back out and, and bring Perry fresh off the bench. Um, how, however that's going to work out, um, you know, whatever the best four is, is, is going to be the guys who are going to be starting and playing. And Matthews' versatility really lets you have those options and, and put those best four out there. So now AJ, AJ Hawk is gone. He's with the Bengals, Brad Jones is uh, elsewhere uh, as well. Um, I remember watching the draft and Mel Kuyper being really excited about uh, Ryan, the linebacker from Michigan, 
that you guys was it the fourth round that you fourth guys round. got him yep. so that's of course in ted thompson's wheelhouse where he seems to find these that's diamond right. in the rough in, in the mid rounds and kuiper was kind of over the moon that somebody finally picked this guy that you know i think he was in one of the top available areas for you know like from the middle of the second round until somebody finally picked him uh in the fourth round is is he somewhere gonna he's gonna factor in there uh, at all from the beginning or have you what's uh you know how has he done in otas if, if you've been following yeah you know he, he hasn't really been talked about a ton in otas um he's been taking mostly second team reps um matthews and barrington have been getting primarily the first team reps but that's not uh unusual for for the packers they rarely give starters reps to any rookies out of the gate um, and especially not a fourth-round pick. So, so I wouldn't read too much into that. I think his play in training camp will be interesting to follow. Um, again, kind of getting back to you know, that, that play in your best four idea. Um, I, I still think that Matthews is the guy on base downs uh, inside to start the season at least. Um, you know, We could see a, a little bit of a reevaluation of that over the, the, the first month, month and a half of the season or so. And if Ryan starts to come out of practice, I think you know maybe midseason might be the time where you see him uh, really start to to pick up his snaps. Um, for for now, I think early on in the season you'll see him certainly playing a lot of special teams. Um, but uh, the 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 thing with Ryan is he's he's widely looked at. I mean, as as a good run defender, um, the question on him is in coverage, and certainly um, in this day and age with with the tight ends and slot receivers and running backs that the inside linebackers are asked to. Um, has to cover. That's going to be the the best way for him to get on the field is to show um, show that he can hang with those guys and and really um, you know perform well in pass coverage. Anyone else in the draft class that you're that you're excited to to see or you know see if they're going to turn out to be something? There's a couple of guys that interest me. Um, certainly, Randall and Rollins are the the big names at corner, um, and because of a lot of injuries, they're the rare rookies who have been getting some first team reps. So Sam Shields sat out some of OTAs. Uh, Casey Hayward's dealing with a little foot issue. So um, Randall has been playing mostly on the outside, and that's a little interesting just because he played safety, and he was, at least by most draft analysts, projected at safety at the next level. But um, most of the um, he, he was interviewed and said that most of the teams that were talking to him at the combine and, and through the draft process were looking at him as a corner, um, mainly because he had played corner in junior college and, and was asked to do a lot of... Um, in a corner coverage concepts while he, even while he was playing safety. So he'll be one to watch. Um, Ty Montgomery, the third round pick, uh, he was a bit of a surprise. I, I thought he would be, um, you know, maybe a fifth rounder at best, but um, he showed you know, some pretty good ability in, in the off season here. Um, certainly has a great track record as a kick returner. I think you'll probably see him used there to some extent, um, at least taking kickoffs and you might see him sprinkle in on punt returns a little bit here and there. And then the other one that I love is um, a fullback named Aaron Ripkowski, which is just the best fullback name for a Packer that you could possibly get. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's a heck of a Packer name. It's fantastic, and and he's uh, I think everybody's kind of seeing him as being a special teams guy, maybe his first year, and then potentially being the heir apparent to John Kuhn, um, who looks like you know, he's on a one year deal. Um, He's he's on the other side of thirty, and he's certainly been effective, but he's really been seeing his snap count diminish over the last year or two. Um, partially, that's due to uh, Eddie Lacy's emergence on third downs as a receiving option and and as a real good pass blocker. Right. But um, 
Uh, Kuhn was used a little bit more as a lead blocker last year for for the run game, and he was a, he was effective, um, probably as effective as we've ever seen him as a as a true fullback. But Ripkowski is kind of that that old school fullback. He can he can catch some passes out of the backfield. He can even line up uh, on the end of the line at tight end a little bit. And so he'll be one to watch. Maybe not necessarily have a huge impact on offense this year, um, but maybe on special teams this season, and then uh, potentially as a as a part of the offense next season. So we we touched upon the schedule, you know, before as far as you know when and what times the guys, uh, the Packers are are playing this year. Was there there anything on the schedule that you were especially excited about, or something that you're looking forward to? Any games that kind of stood out to you when you took your first glance at the schedule? Yeah, I think every Packers fan wants another shot of the 49ers at this point because they've kind of been our playoff nemesis over the last several years. And even though um, they took a step back last year and and Harbaugh is gone, um, I think there there would be a little bit of Schadenfreude uh, going on in among Packers <laughs> fans if we can uh, lay a whooping on the 49ers at their own at their own home turf. So so that's one I think that that at least Packers fans have circled. Um, the, the big one is obviously Seattle in week two, and finally we get them at Green Bay. Um, I'm, I'm so sick of going up to Seattle and playing them out there. So, so that'll be nice, um, at, least, uh, at least finally get a home game against those guys and try to, um, try to make up a little bit for, for the NFC Championship game. Um, you mentioned the Dallas game a little bit earlier, and then the other one that really stands out to me is coming out of the bye week. Uh, in week eight, we, uh, the Packers are in Denver. Right. Uh, that's a Sunday night game. And I think that's you know you'll certain, you've got a a you know, great quarterback matchup with with Manning and Rodgers, um, and so certainly the the star powers there and and Al Michaels I'm sure will just have a field day talking about the two of them all the time, but right. um, but certainly that should uh, that should be a real a real good game to watch and you know for for Packers fans and just NFL fans alike. Agreed. Yeah, that's um, that was one of the ones that I that I looked at as well, and of course. You know, the day the schedule came out, the first game that was announced, the very first one, mm-hmm. was Bears at Packers on on Thanksgiving night. Not just because it'll be basically your main event of the three Thanksgiving games, but because it is also Brett Favre jersey retirement night. And I thought immediately, well, that's just perfect. That's <laughs> absolutely perfect. Uh, yep. You know, it's that's okay. So the Bears have no chance in hell winning that game. <laughs> You know yeah, that'll that'll be a that'll be a fun one and and that that was one of those games where you know any any tickets available on StubHub or in the secondary market are just going to be completely insane in terms yeah. of ticket prices. I can't I I haven't even looked. I have I can't even imagine what what tickets are going to go for for that game because of yeah because of all those factors and and that's that's going to be a blast to watch and I'm 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 sure NBC is probably going to have that one too. They and, do yeah. So so yeah that. Uh, that that one goes without saying, certainly, and and with everything that surrounds that, and um, it'll be it'll be a fun one, and and I think the it, it was a great job between you know the Packers, the NFL. Um, I don't know if the Bears had a hand in it or not, but if they did, then then you know that Packers fans certainly then should should owe them some thanks to to agreeing to do that if they if they had any say in it. But right. uh, well, who better for you guys to be facing that that particular evening? That's exactly it, and so I think. Um, you know, it's it's long past time to you know for for some Packers fans and Favre to just bury the hatchet and um and and move on and and embrace each other once again and and I think that's going to be a great way to do that. Is that what the the atmosphere is going to be like? You know, Packer fans kind of 
forgiving Favre for leaving, or, or or are they more upset that he basically couldn't make up his mind for those last few years? And I'm playing, no, I'm, I'm retiring. I mean, because I mean, the the joke became on like the NFL Network. Favre watch 2011. Mm-hmm. Here we go again. Will he or won't he? And you know, it's like the season's almost over, and we're still playing with J- Brett Favre stories on whether or not he's going to come back from retirement and save one of these franchises or. You know, somebody's calling Brett Favre to see if he's interested to come in because this quarterback got hurt and and things like that. I mean, what were those those last years like? I mean, you guys are, are you know, grooming Aaron Rodgers. He finally gets his chance. Mike McCarthy basically puts his foot down and says, you know what? If Favre wants to come back, he can go somewhere else. I'm going with Aaron Rodgers. And then it's three years, one year with the Jets and then two years where he's in your face with the Vikings for those last two years, what, yep. what were those years like for Packer fans? There were a lot of conflicted emotions there. And, and part of it was, was tough because Favre had kind of played around with retirement for a couple of years leading up to the whole debacle in 2008 anyway. Um, basically, since, since Mike, Mike Sherman was ousted at the end of 2005, he was kind of waffling a little bit every year. And um, the, the, the big thing that, to me, was... You know the the organization at some point needs to know what they're going to do in the off season, and I think the the issue, the fundamental issue for for Thompson and McCarthy and company was that um, you know they want they they got an answer before the draft before you know much of free agency had really gone by, and and so they you know they proceeded according to that plan with with Rodgers going to be the quarterback they took two quarterbacks in that draft they took Brian Brown in the second and then Matt Flynn in the seventh round that year and so they were preparing for life without Favre and then all of a sudden right before i think it was right before OTAs or something like that he's like well no i'm coming back and so you know you can understand why the organization would be frustrated by that and you know they've they've already hitched their wagon to the young guy yeah. and so you know there is there's certainly it depends on what you know what Packers fan you talk to. I was frustrated more with Favre than with the team, um, and and maybe it's maybe it's because I I've always been into the business and the draft and the the salary cap aspects of of football. Um, but uh, yeah, seeing him suit up for another team that that first game with the Jets was was a bit of a shock, and then to see him the next season, you know force his way out of out of New York and end up in Minnesota was it felt like a slap in the face and it felt like it was a deliberate shot at the the Packers organization and the fans and and I think over the course of the last several years with you know most Packer fans realized that it that's not necessarily how how it was intended at least not a shot at the fans right um and so I I, I would be very surprised if there are any audible boos at the stadium on on Thanksgiving night um I, I really think that with doing this, they're, they're doing the ceremony to induct him into the Packers Hall of Fame, and then you know, kind of unofficially or pseudo officially retire his jersey um, this summer, and then they're doing the you know the big ceremony at halftime of the Bears game. I think that's yeah, that's probably a good way to do it. And then um, yeah, I, I fully expect the the fans to to come out and and be very supportive and, and appreciative of everything Farb's done. Because you know, like I said, as um as much as I hated playing and losing to the Packers, you know, the other 14 weeks of the season, I always enjoyed watching Favre mm-hmm. play. You know, the guy, he was like the best version of Jake Cutler because he's got that gunslinger <laughs> thing. He makes, he makes some bad decisions. He'll throw some bad footballs. The, 
the one in particular that I always remember is that um, that that balloon ball that he threw in the playoff game against the Eagles Ugh. that one year. He just yep. kind of hung that one up there, and there were like three Eagles to the one. If if there was even a Packer receiver in the area, it was basically up there for anyone in a green uniform to pull it down, and uh, you know that ended the playoff game uh, for you guys that one year in Philadelphia. Yep. I mean, that was like the worst of Favre. But there were way more plays where it's just like, how in the hell did he do that? And, you know, things like that uh, with him. You know, it's like that's what we as Bear fans wish Jay Cutler could be with that (laughs) gunslinger, you know, mentality. It was like, yeah, he's going to throw some interceptions. But for every interception that he throws, he's going to give you five plays like that one kind of thing. So, you know, was it was it that stressful watching him play all those years? Yeah, it seemed like every time, you know, he 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 had that huge wind up on some of those bombs that he'd throw and and every time you'd see him kind of rear back with you, your heart kind of skipped a beat a little bit. Right. Um and and in the playoffs, like you said that that last decade or so that the the Eagles game still haunts me to this day because that team, that offense was so good. That was Amon Green's best year. That was a fantastic offensive line. Um that was the year Javon Walker really broke out and had a great season. Um, and that's, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Carolina ended up going to the Super Bowl and losing to the Patriots that year. And, and I'm, I'm, or maybe that was the year that the Philly made it to the Super Bowl. I don't remember. Either way, um, that, that one felt like, um, a perfect opportunity to just kind of flush down the drain. Um, but again, if, you know, who knows if the defense doesn't, if the defense actually comes up with a stop on fourth and 26, then, you know, maybe we're talking about Favre having two Super Bowls too. So that was the same game, wasn't it? That uh, was the same game. Wow. Yep. Okay. Yep. So you had two daggers in that one. Yeah. Uh, so, oh. so we're, we're used to a little bit of, uh, you know, playoff drama these, these last decade or so. And then yeah. you've got the, the one against the Giants in 2007 and his, yeah. his last pass as a Packer that, yeah, that was bad. You know, that was, that one was frustrating too. And, and, you know, you hear the story about McCarthy telling him, um, you know, whatever you do, don't do something stupid before it goes out on the field. And then he tries to force a pass in there and gets it picked off by Corey Webster and, and game over. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it should have been us to, to break up the Patriots' undefeated season that year instead of the Giants. But what do you Yeah, and, you know, uh, Tom Coughlin got to go defrost his face. Yeah. Uh, after that game. <laughs> It was a, that was like the other story in that game was, you mm-hmm. know, how amazing is this championship game and it's going back and forth and will, will Lawrence Tynes finally make one this time and, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then will Tom Coughlin still have his original skin on his face if they make it to the Super Bowl <laughs> because he's, you know, five different shades of red before the, yep. end, before the, end, of the, uh, before the end of that game. So. Yeah, I mean that's that's you take the good with the bad, and and unfortunately, you know, it seemed in the playoffs the last you know last several years of his career with with Green Bay, and then even you know with Minnesota, he did it again against the Saints. But yeah, uh, that was a bad throw. That you one. know, there, that that's that's the price you pay when you got a guy who plays like that. And yeah. somebody I think put it best on one of our commenters on Acme Packing Company just even today said that well, if we call Favre the old gunslinger, I think we need to call Aaron Rodgers a sniper based on. Um, just how how precise and uh, he's he's been with the ball these last couple of years and you know making making those those some of these pinpoint accurate throws and and just the way he holds onto the ball that's you know is I think he's he's got the ability to make every throw Favre did maybe you know maybe he doesn't have quite the same arm strength as Favre but it's close but just the 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 focus he puts and the attention to detail he puts on on avoiding turnovers is 
is astounding to me. Do you feel like that's the big difference between the two is basically their overall demeanor? Because Rodgers yep. isn't much of a risk taker when he throws when he throws the ball. He seems to be much smarter with football than Favre ever was. But Favre was such a high risk, high reward kind of guy. He was going to take that chance just about every time. Yeah, I think there's two different ways to learn. You, you can learn from the successes of the people that come before you, and you can learn from their mistakes. And I right. think, I think seeing that last pick in that uh, that championship game against against the Giants, that was at least this is just you know my opinion, but I think that was a kind of defining moment for Rodgers because he realized that uh, I think that might have been a point where he really understood that 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 kind of play is what's gonna make or break you as a quarterback. And um, I think that that kind of has stuck with him ever since. And that's, you know, maybe one of the reasons why um, he is so incredibly careful with the football. And, and yeah, maybe it does lead to, you know, taking a few fewer chances. But, um, you know, he's he's certainly put us in, in plenty of chances to win. And, and there's, you know, there, there aren't, it's not to say that he doesn't take some chances because there's that throw at the end of the Dallas game that he made to Richard Rodgers in the end zone. A couple of the throws in the Super Bowl 45 that he made that um, you know fit balls into incredibly tight windows. Um, it just seems like he picks and chooses when he takes those chances a little bit differently, um, and and he doesn't take as many of them. And I think that's the the big difference is you know it, not necessarily not necessarily afraid to take him, but just much more careful with with when he decides to do it right well I, I watched as little of that Super Bowl as possible out of protest <laughs> just uh just cause so you know we, we won't get into why exactly but you know it's, we'll, we'll let everyone yeah. draw their own conclusions there so okay last question I have for you Tex um favorite moment as a Packer fan and luckily for you for the majority of your life you've been a successful franchise makes it to the playoffs wins divisions plays an exciting football game so this might actually be a tough question for you but you know what what ranks up there the first thing that comes to mind when you're thinking happy thoughts as a Packer fan um there as as much as I enjoyed Super Bowl 45 um seeing Super Bowl 31 was probably the you know the, the defining early moment in my my Packers fandom as a kid, um, and getting to see my family who had all been through the the lean years in the seventies and eighties and and been through almost thirty years of of terrible Packers football, and getting to see all of them as excited as they were and and to finally be back up on top, I think that's probably um, that's probably what does it for me is is just the the reactions of everybody I knew and 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 all those Packers fans who'd waited for for 30 years for for another Super Bowl and and to to finally get that and then to to be a kid and and just kind of take in that experience that's that's right up there for me well I had a um somewhat of a like I I knew that the football gods were were working their magic on that one and not because Green Bay you know was won, won the game and they weren't supposed to but because the 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 date and the location of that game were especially significant to Bear fans because it was January 26th, the anniversary of when the Bears won Super Bowl 20 in mm-hmm. the Superdome where the Bears had won it. And, of course, they returned to the Superdome and the Packers win the Super Bowl. So it's just like, <laughs> oh, great. On the anniversary of the day, there it is right there. So, yeah, it's like, <laughs> how awesome was that? So, all right, Evan, I think we're uh, that's going to do it for us. And, um, you know, 
I'd love to have you back during the season. Looks like you're going to be my first guest of the regular season since we play you guys first uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, week one, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll you know, it's actually not that far away now that I think about it. I, I'm not sure what the what the actual number countdown is is down to uh, at this point, but uh, we've only got what like two and a half months mm-hmm. until until the season uh, kicks off. And uh, during the season, I do two two episodes a week. I have a preview episode and then review after the game. Want to have you back for the preview episode going into week one to see where our teams are at after the preseason sounds great i'd love to be back on and uh yeah thanks for having me on i appreciate it not but not a not a problem I, I i'm proud to say that i didn't vomit in my mouth that i'm talking <laughs> to a packer fan or or you know i'm not going to vomit in my mouth saying that i enjoy talking to one so this is actually a new experience for me i haven't really been able to do that before to enjoy talking to a packer fan so thank you for 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 breaking my cherry on that one Oh, no problem. I'll uh, I'll see if I can do it here here for you real quick before I go. Go pack go. <laughs> oh, see. There he had to do it. Just just tell me you're not wearing like a cheese head thing or something like that right now. Not right now. Not right now. Okay, it's good. It's sitting up so, in the closet right you now. You own one though. Of course. Oh, of course. Of course. So, <laughs> just can't do that without, you know, I can't be a Packer fan. Nah. It's like law, isn't it? Something somewhere written in the law, you got to own oh, one of those. Not, it should be. Right. Of course. All right. Well, thanks for uh for being on the show. Evan, and uh, you know, we'll be in touch. We'll see you week one, and uh, good luck to you guys. Sounds great. Thanks a lot for having me. And that was Evan Western of AcmePackingCo.com on SB Nation. Uh, for the Green Bay Packers, uh, like I said, fantastic conversation with him. Covered a lot of stuff, and um, you know, with with the history, and I think that's what I'm going to enjoy the most about these next three shows, um, and this one, including the next two, is the the history that these teams have with each other. The Bears and the Packers, the Bears and the Lions, are literally the two oldest rivalries in the entire NFL. And, you know, even though the Lions and the Bears have more meetings than the Bears and Packers do, uh, nonetheless, these are historical rivalries that are closing in on 100 years with each other. We're in the 90s right now, 95 years and uh, and so on. It's a lot of history, a lot of games uh, between these two organizations and for us as fans of either team, the Bears, the Packers, the Lions, um, and even the Vikings, even though they've only, quote-unquote, only been around since 66, this is their 50th year in the NFL, and they've been in the same division with the Bears the whole time. So their entire careers in the NFL, their entire tenure, their entire history has included two games with the Chicago Bears, the Green Bay Packers, and the Lions every single year. So going back to you know my earliest memories uh, growing up, I always remember the Bears against the Vikings, the Bears against the Packers, the Bears against the Lions. You know, and um, you know, lots of lots of history there, lots to talk about. And you know, this was the first time, the first interview that I did where I didn't really have to refer to my notes very much because from memory I can you know refer to Bears Packers in 2010, Bears Packers in 2013, so on. Uh, and so forth, and even back in you know to childhood and and so on and so forth, uh, you know same thing goes for the Lions and the Vikings uh, as well. So with all the history, the rich history between those between the four teams in the NFC North, I think I'm really going to enjoy 
uh, these shows as much as I did uh, talking with uh, with Evan Western. So so you see what I mean, guys? This that's what a a, a Packer fan with his head screwed on straight sounds like. And, uh, you know, he's a good guy, despite the fact that he roots for the wrong team. And, uh, you know, we'll have him back on prior to week one and uh, see how we can uh, work it out if I can get him on the show before Thanksgiving when the two tussle on national TV on Brett Favre retirement jersey night. Uh, you know, Brett Favre retirement jersey slash Bears can go to hell night uh, out there in, in Lambeau. So uh, we'll see how that works out for us and uh, where the Bears and the Packers are at that particular point in the season as they head into the home stretch week number 12 i believe is when we butt heads uh with green bay so um so today is uh wednesday or thursday depending on you know when you get to listen to the show and when it's available to you if itunes can get it you get its you know what together uh and get it out to you um i by now i've already talked with christopher gates from the daily norseman i got jeremy reasoner uh from uh pride of detroit dot com on SB Nation for the Lions uh, talking to him on Thursday and you know there's going to be a few days between each of the shows so I can give them some time to breathe let you guys catch up because this is the busiest I've ever had you guys during the summer leading up to the season banging out one episode after another and uh, only having a few days in between them you know um, so I hope you guys are enjoying this because I sure as hell am enjoying myself this is the most fun I've had talking football during the summer probably ever to be honest with you so i am having a blast uh doing this i hope the preview shows are this much fun uh during the season so um uh keep your eyes open keep your eyes on the twitter feed at shy bears review on on twitter and uh, you follow us on facebook just search chicago bears review on facebook join the join the group you know throw in some feedback post articles do whatever you like it's an open forum so uh, come on down and, and, uh, and join, the, join the group. So um, we'll be back in a few days with Christopher Gates from the Daily Norseman on SB Nation for the Minnesota Vikings. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. 
It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 